This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. It's an early edition of ESPN New York Tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty flying solo. Gordon Damer's on vacation. Right now I get a chance to speak to one half of the tag team of Canty and Carlin. He is Chris Canty, the former Giant, the former Super Bowl star, outstanding defensive player who's all over our ESPN platforms. Chris, thanks for a couple of minutes tonight, my friend. How are you? I'm great, Larry. Football season is upon us. We finally got the first preseason game in the books. We got the Hall of Famers going in the 2022 class in Canton this weekend, and I cannot wait. I'm super excited about what 2022 has to offer for the National Football League. I'm super excited too, Chris. That's why I hate to start with this with this story and this the Deshaun Watson situation. And Chris, when you were, you know what, you were very outspoken when this first happened. And I remember, and you, I'm going to kind of quote you, but you can quote yourself because you know exactly what you said. But to paraphrase, you said something like, "How good does Deshaun Watson have to be for Houston to be happy with their decision?" And now we find out that he gets suspended for six games. The NFL is appealing it. Give me your thoughts on this whole situation. What do you think is ultimately going to happen? Well, I think Sean Watson is going to be off the football field for an entire year. I think that's been the NFL's position throughout the proceedings before the hearing with Judge Robinson. After her ruling, the NFL wants him suspended indefinitely. And after a season, they want him to apply for reentry. And they also want him to pay a significant fine. Now, in hearing more uh, about the negotiations before Judge Robinson made her ruling between the NFLPA and the NFL as far as discipline goes, the league was pushing for 12 games in an $8 million fine. The NFLPA wanted significantly less than that. And so the two sides were at an impasse. And so after Judge Robinson made her ruling and found that Deshaun Watson was, in fact, guilty of jeopardizing the integrity of the Shield, that gave Roger Goodell all the ammunition he needed to proceed with the appeal process. And now we know he has a designee that will hear the appeal, but ultimately do his bidding. Now, it's going to be interesting how this turns out, Chris, because for me, listen, the NFL has to appeal. It, it looks bad for how the ruling went down as far as women are concerned. This was a very serious, egregious situation by the arbiter's own ruling by saying it was, you know, it, it was predatory. So here's, here's the other side of it, though, Chris. This is something that I hope the NFL realizes, that they have to come down as hard on their folks, several owners, situation going on in Washington, other situations that have happened previously, because it looks like you're just picking on the players. There's no question about it, Larry, and I made that same point on Get Up in First Take this week, that the NFL can't afford to have double standards or a level of hypocrisy when it comes to establishing a new precedent when it comes to violence toward women. And when I say the term violence toward women, I'm going to rope in the predatory behavior and stripping women of their own agency in, in the Deshaun Watson situation, but also with the Washington commander scandal under Daniel Snyder for the past two decades, as well as Robert Kraft, who got caught up in a sex trafficking sting a couple of years ago. And then, of course, we know about the different issues that Jerry Jones has dealt with with the Dallas Cowboys. So there are three instances with three owners where the NFL can apply this new precedent and, uh, and, and come down with a significant punishment to show that they're serious about women's issues, and in particular, violence toward women as it pertains to the personal conduct policy. But going back to Judge Robinson's ruling, 
even though she found Deshaun Watson guilty of all those things, the reason why the punishment was seemingly so lenient was because of the past precedent and because the NFL didn't punish its own people. And, and so I think we have, to, we have to understand that moving forward, if we are going to be serious about these issues, if the league wants to be progressive and wants to be on the forefront of change with social issues like violence toward women, then they've got to apply that standard uniformly across all people that are a part of the National Football League. No question about it. That's the voice of Chris Canty. He is with Canty and Carlin on ESPN. You're listening to Larry Hardesty on ESPN New York Tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. Chris, let's go around the NFL. I'm always curious about coaches' adjustments, right? Coaches who got fired. And what did they change about themselves from their first job to their next job? Now, I'm going to give you two. Josh McDaniels is one of those guys from the Bill Belichick coaching tree that's not had a lot of success. Now he gets back on the head coaching spot. He was in Denver, didn't work out there. Now he comes to the Raiders. Uh, how do you think he's going to do? What do you think is going to be his biggest adjustments about things he made, the mistakes he made in Denver that he won't make in Vegas? Have better players. <laughs> I mean, first of all, he's going to have a quarterback that can actually throw the ball. I mean, it didn't go well for him in Denver because he was betting on Tim Tebow, the guy that couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. Derek Carr is, you know, one of the best 10, 12 quarterbacks in the National Football League. I mean, you can't say enough about he, how he shepherded his, his team through all of the adversity that they went through last year, the controversy with John Gruden and with Henry Ruggs and with Damon Arnett, and still somehow find themselves in the playoffs after winning the final four games. So credit to Derek Carr. I, I think he's a, he's a phenomenal quarterback. He's probably an even better leader. And now you've got a number one receiver in Devontae Adams that he can throw to his former college teammate and the guy that he throws to in the off seasons ever since they came into the national football league. So you couple that with having Darren Waller, one of the two or three best tight ends in the league. And then Hunter Renfro, the best slot receiver in the league, Josh Jacobs, the bell cow running back and an approved improved offensive line. You have the makings of a really, really good offense out there in Las Vegas. And so I'm bullish on the Las Vegas Raiders. I think they have the potential to surprise a lot of people. And that's why I think it'll be a lot different in Josh McDaniel's second go round as a head coach. Now, let's stay with the AFC West since you're there, and let's talk about Russell Wilson in Denver. That makes that a really tough division already. You've got Kansas City and, and the Chargers in that division as well. How many playoff spots? Maybe just one, the division winner might be the only one to get out, right? Well, here's what I'll say. I mean, there's, there's going to be three wild card teams, so I, I think there's potential for that division to have you know, two wild card teams, three playoff teams as a whole. I, I think it's that good, and there are going to be a lot of closely contested games in the AFC West, and that's why I think the Denver Broncos have to feel good about where they're at because you have the quarterback who's fourth among active quarterbacks in game-winning drives in Russell Wilson. You're the guy that when he stepped foot with the Seattle Seahawks, the Seahawks were coming off of a season where they had, what, uh, seven wins and they were the 23rd-ranked offense, and Russell Wilson stepped in as a rookie, and they were a top-10 offense, and they, they had 11 wins. Well, the Denver Broncos are coming off of a season where they had seven wins and they were the 23rd-ranked offense. So hopefully for them, history repeats itself and you like their chances given what Russell Wilson has to work with. I mean, he lost Tim Patrick, who was a big part of what they do, but you still have Cortland Sutton. You still have Jeremy, Jerry Judy. You still have K.J. Hamler. Not to mention you have the one-two punch in the backfield led by Javante Williams, who I think is going to be a star in the National Football League. Now, and also, the Denver Broncos 
have the number three scoring defense from a year ago. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be a pretty good team. They're, they're going to be a tough out for anybody in that division. And so I, I like where Denver's at. And let's not forget this as well, Larry. Nothing motivates players like fresh cash. Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson sees these contracts being doled out to these quarterbacks. He's, saying, he's trying to figure out a way to put his name on some of it. And with new ownership, you know, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. Russell Wilson has an opportunity to make a big impression out the gate that can lead to a huge contract in the 2023 offseason. No question about it, Chris. I'm curious in the AFC North to see what I'm getting from the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? It's the first time in over a decade you don't have Ben Roethlisberger as your starter. Uh, Cleveland, I think, takes a step back. We don't know what's going to happen there, but Cincinnati's coming up. You've got Baltimore, Lamar Jackson playing for a contract. He's trying to show what happens. That AFC North, which I don't have to tell you, is always a physical defensive battle. I'm just curious to see what we're going to get from the Steelers this year. That's a great question, Larry. I think you've got significant questions for every team in the AFC North save one, and that would be the Cincinnati Bengals. As far as the Steelers are concerned, I mean, I trust Mike Tomlin. He's never had a losing record for a reason. He's a hell of a coach. But they got to figure out what's going on at quarterback. And maybe it's Mitch Trubisky. More likely, it's probably Kenny Pickett. But what is Kenny Pickett going to be able to contribute while he's trying to figure out how to play quarterback in the National Football League? That is the, the you know, I guess the, the big question in Pittsburgh. And they'll have the weapons at his disposal. They got some playmakers. They just signed Deontay Johnson, who was a hold-in. They got him his money. I mean, you like the early returns from their receiver, George Pickens out of Georgia. Um, you know, you like Najee Harris out of the backfield. You like uh, uh, Fryer move to tight end. I mean, they've got pieces there. The offensive line is a big question. The quarterback is a big question. And, and I'm not quite sure what to make of all of it. The one thing I will say is that defense will give that offense a lot of runway to figure it out because mm-hmm. that is one of the very best defenses in the National Football League. And I got to think that that's what Mike Tomlin is depending on. If the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to make any noise, they're going to be led by their defense. That has to be their identity. That's who they are. (laughs) They've always been that way, Chris, for as long as you can remember. You go back to the the Terry Bradshaw Steelers. It was about Joe Green, Dwight White, and company. That that was who they are, and they've maintained that. That's been their identity forever in the day. And it doesn't change. No doubt about it. Doesn't change. No doubt about it. And they got one of the best tandem up front in their front seven between Cam Hayward and T.J. Watt. I mean, all T.J. Watt does is lead the NFL in sacks year after year. That's all he does. Consistent. Chris Canty is my guest. Let's go to the NFC for a quick couple of minutes, Chris. And I was talking earlier about what coaches change in their second opportunity when we were talking about Josh McDaniel. Well, I know there's no question Todd Bowles has a better quarterback than he had in his first coaching job with the Jets in Tom Brady. What's the pressure on him, though, to try to get this team back? Because when you look at this team, you expect them to be at least a con- in, in, the, in the hunt for a conference championship, possibly another Super Bowl return. Yeah, I mean, Todd Bowles has a lot of show and prove as a head coach, right? We love what he's done as a coordinator down in Tampa, but he's got to prove he can do it as the head man. He was 26-41 and 41 in the four years he was with the New York Jets in the half a season he was the head guy down in Miami. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but you have to like how it's all set up for him, right? I mean, you got Tom Brady as your quarterback. Bruce Arians is up there in the front office with Jason Light. You got Byron Leftwood coming back as your offensive coordinator. I mean, it feels like it's it's all right there for him, not to mention the free agent pickups that they had this offseason. Russell Gage, who's a tremendous slot receiver, and then Julio Jones signing on a week ago. Uh, you know, it, 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 Leonard Fournette returning. 
this is going to be a good team. I think they got some things they got to figure out up front, especially with the guard center guard trio with Ryan Jensen going out and turning over the two guard spots. But, uh, but I trust Tom Brady to be able to work it out because Tom Brady is a master at being able to get the ball out of his hands early on in the down. Last year, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the passing game had the second fastest snaps and throw time on average of anyone in the National Football League at 2.5 seconds, and yet Tom Brady led the league in passing. If anybody can figure out how to get the ball out of their hands before the rush gets to them, it's Tom Brady. So, uh, again, the offensive line is a concern, but I'm not overly concerned about it. And they also play in the NFC South, and I don't really think that the number two team in that division is particularly close. So, they're going to be good. You know, they're going to, you know, have a learning curve early on in the regular season, but that team will be fine. They'll cruise their way to 12 or 13 wins. Sounds good to me. I agree with you. Before we talk a little local football with the Giants and Jets, Always got to talk about the Dallas Cowboys. That's the everybody here wants to know what's going on there. Can Dak and Zeke overcome Mike McCarthy to go on the playoff run this year? I mean, listen, uh, Nick Saban said it in the art of coaching. He said it's hard for good players to overcome bad coaching, and, and so I, I don't know. Mike McCarthy, to me, I know everybody's saying that he's a Super Bowl winning head coach, but he's getting a lot of mileage out of that championship <laughs> in 2010, and his, and his record when Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers isn't his quarterback, is 24-26-1. And, and to me, that's below average. So he's had above-average quarterback play, and that's pretty much how he survived and how he's made his name. But now he's got a quarterback in Dak Prescott that he's got to help figure out how to do high-level winning. And I'm, I'm just not quite sure that Mike McCarthy is that guy. Again, the penalties and the end-of-game um, management uh, – in-game management, those are those are areas that are direct reflections on coaching. Mike McCarthy has struggled with that, and I'm not quite sure that he's going to prove to be any different this upcoming season. So I think the Dallas Cowboys, because of them having, you know, the easiest schedule in the National Football League based on the strength of schedule formula, they'll be a playoff team, but I think they're going to have to go the wild card route, and they're going to have to be able to find a way to win a road playoff game, and that's something that Dak Prescott has yet to do in his career. So I know what Jerry Jones wants the title. I just don't think it's going to happen for him this year. So that means Sean Payton's going to be the next head coach of the Cowboys, huh? That's what it feels like. That's what it feels like. That's what it feels like. Unless Stephen Ross decides he wants to tamper some more. Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I think I think he'll be quiet this time. You can't lose any more draft choices. <laughs> Chris exactly. Canty's my guest. Exactly. Let's let's talk about some Giants, Chris. Uh, obviously, everybody's eyes are on what's going to happen with you know Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley for this team offensively. So I understand that. I want to take it on the other side of, of, of the ball. I want to talk about this defense and can this defense can Leonard Williams recapture what he did a couple of seasons ago, and can this secondary be able to make some plays to help this Giants team out? Yeah, I think Leonard Williams will be able to recapture that form that we saw a couple of years ago that landed them a huge contract because there are more threats along the defensive front that offensive lines are going to have to account for, right? I mean, you've got Aziz Ojolari, who stepped up in a big way as a young pass rusher for the Giants. You have Dexter Lawrence, who's coming into his own. And then now you've added Kayvon Thibodeau to that group. So I like the threats that the Giants have along their front five, and I think that that's going to be able to allow that defense to create a lot of pressure and wreak some havoc, which lends itself to being able to generate turnovers, which is something that the offense is going to need. That defense is going to have to steal extra possessions. They're going to have to create field position in order for this offense to be able to, 
to find ways to score points. So I, I like where the defense is at. The one thing that I, does concern me is the secondary. Losing James Bradbury, I think, is, is something that's um, an underrated aspect of what happened with the Giants offseason. They're going to have to find a way to replace that production. Um, and Adoree Jackson's going to have to step up and earn his money this year. But I like what the Giants' defensive front seven is starting to shape up to. It, it, it's very reminiscent of some of those championship teams that, that the, Giants, uh, the Giants have been known for. Chris, let's talk about the Jets' defense. Take me inside uh, the mind of uh, offensive coordinators when they see a rookie like Sauce Gardner who's come out with all the reputation, a guy that is a rookie corner who didn't give up a touchdown in his college career. Uh, what's the pressure on that young man? It's a lot of pressure on him. He's going to have to be the number one corner. It ain't D.J. Reed. It's going to have to be Sauce Gardner. He, they're going to try him. They're going to try him. I mean, you're going to see a lot of complex route combinations. You're going to see double moves from receivers. I mean, teams are going to find ways by scheme and formation to isolate him, and he's going to have to understand that. It's not just about physical ability. It's about the mental aspect of it, too, and that's, that's a challenging position to adjust to. There's probably the biggest learning curve uh, of jumping into the National Football League at corner, second to quarterback. That, that is the biggest learning curve. So Charles Gardner's got a lot of pressure on him. On top of that, the young man decided that he wanted to wear number one. So, I mean, he's going to have to live up to it. I mean, he, he's the top five pick for a reason, um, but understand that they're going to try him. So, I, I mean, hopefully he's up for the task. I think the one thing that he has working for him is the defensive front for the New York Jets. Because when you look at the guys that they're going to be able to throw at defenses, when you start talking about Carl Lawson and John Franklin Myers and Quinnen Williams and Sheldon Rankin, not to mention, you know, they've got guys that they're going to be able to throw at teams. And so I'm excited to see what that Jets defensive front is going to look like. And then you're hearing rave reviews for Quan Alexander, pairing him with T.J. Mosley and Quincy Williams. I just, I'm excited about what that front seven can be too. I mean, they're going to be able to get after the quarterback this year. There's no doubt in my mind. And that's exactly what Rob Sala envisioned. That will make that coverage on the back end a lot better. Last thing for you, Chris. Uh, does Aaron Judge break the American League home run record? He's going for it, isn't he, Larry? <laughs> I mean, he is absolutely going for it. Um, I think I think he's in a good place. He's locked in on his swing. Um, the one thing I get concerned with is just health with Aaron Judge. But if he's going to be healthy, if you're telling me he's not going to have to miss any games due to injury down the stretch of the regular season, then I put my money on Aaron Judge to go ahead and break Roger Maris's record. See, that's the versatility that Chris from uh, Car from Canteen Carlin brings to the table. We know he knows his football. He's got a ring. We know he studies. He knows that. But he's got a little versatility to his game, too. He can talk any sports plus, you want. I, plus, plus, I'm a Yankees fan, OG. That's you right. Know that. I'm a Yankees fan. <laughs> nah, yeah, I know. It I mean, was a stack hey, deck. Listen, <laughs> listen I, I, I'm more worried about Garrett Cole than I am Aaron Judge breaking the home run record. Listen, and you're not alone. <laughs> I think Aaron yeah. Boone's a little concerned about Gary Cole, too. <laughs> How could you not be? How could you not be? Chris, continue success. Give my regards to your partner, Chris Carlin, and uh, keep up the great work, my friend. We'll talk soon. All right. Sounds good, Larry. Have a good one. All right. That's Chris Canty, star of Canty and Carlin, heard on ESPN weekdays from 3 until 7. When we return. We'll take your phone calls. 1-800-919-3776. Hardesty on a Friday on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.